0: Welcome to the Politics of Fish podcast, the American Sport Fishing Association's bi-weekly podcast covering the people, organizations, and issues that impact the recreational fishing industry. I'm your host, Mike Leonard, Vice President of Government Affairs for ASA. On this episode, my guest is our very own Martha Gaius, ASA's Southeast Fisheries Policy Director. Martha is based in Florida, the fishing capital of the world. She covers a wide range of issues, but none that sucks the air out of the room quite like the infamous Red Snapper. As we'll cover, red snapper are incredibly popular in the Southeast, but the way they've been managed has been, well, a bit of a train wreck. I say that, but at the same time, red snapper are incredibly abundant. So at that basic level, there have been successes. However, the amount of frustration and mistrust that has developed between anglers and managers, particularly the federal government, continues to be a major challenge. It's not all negative though, and there are some glimmers of hope for evolving red snapper management to where there's more trust and ultimately more reasonable fishing access. We cover a lot here, yet are really only looking at the tip of the iceberg, but let's go ahead and dive in. All right, well, I'm pleased to be joined today by our special guest, Martha Gaius, who is another member of the ASA Government Affairs team. We've had a few on here already, uh, but welcome, Martha, a little bit belated to, uh, to have you on here the show, but we've got a lot going on, especially in your neck of the woods, So, uh, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you and we could have done this when you were in person you've been making a few trips up to dc but uh, i guess tell folks where you're based and and sort of what's your what's your home range in terms of your uh, portfolio
1: yeah so i am in tallahassee florida um and i am working on southeast policy issues for asa so um that's south atlantic council golf council and then a multitude of issues happening at more state and local levels, um, throughout the Southeast.
0: And so that covers a lot of issues, but the one we'll hone in on today is the infamous red snapper, which, um, I think we've gotten to a point where I haven't checked, but there was a point where every single office on Capitol Hill that I went in and met with knew what a red snapper was and knew the issues about it, even if they were nowhere near the southeast. Um, so maybe one of the most politically charged, certainly recreational uh, marine fisheries issues that's out there. Um, before we get into the sorted, messy details of red snapper management, and we'll talk about both the Gulf of Mexico and the South Atlantic, because while there are some similarities, there's also quite a bit of differences um, in how those species are managed and how much access anglers have to them. but. First, just, Martha, if you could talk a little bit about red snapper in general, sort of where are they found and, and why are they so popular?
1: Yeah, so red snapper are a reef fish, um, and they're managed as such in both the Gulf and the South Atlantic. In the South Atlantic, they have a big group of fish that they call snapper group instead of reef fish, but it's, it's the same type of thing. And Primarily, the fishery it occurs over structure. They like reefs. Um, no surprise there. So uh, that means in throughout most of the South Atlantic and Gulf, the fishery is mostly in federal waters. Although there are places in like the Florida Panhandle and coastal Alabama where there are legal red snapper to be had in state waters. So they a lot of the fisheries on reefs, but um, one of the things that we've learned through the Great Red Snapper Count is there's actually a lot of red snapper that occur off of reefs as well, um, that are not aggregated. They're kind of out more on their own on what's called uncharacterized bottom. But the fishery is mostly on the reefs. So um, they are a big, beautiful red fish, and they're very—I'd I'd, say—they're very catchable. So uh, it's you know popular fishery here in the summertime in the Gulf where I am people just get really excited about going to uh to catch a red snapper so it's a it's a big deal down in these parts
0: and just one clarifying question when you said federal waters, state waters and even that's something that's not the same between the south atlantic and gulf so remember correctly it's state waters out to three miles in the atlantic side and out to nine miles in the gulf and beyond that's federal waters yeah that's right. Mm-hmm. The Gulf is special. All the Gulf states get a little extra state waters. Um, so let's dive into the Gulf a little bit. There is, we were joking before this. We could do like a long multi-part uh, podcast series just on the recent history of Gulf red snapper management. So, for the sake of time here, and for the sake of just our listener sanity, we'll uh, we'll skip doing that, uh, that history lesson and, um, really just kind of focus on where we're at right now with just the private recreational component, uh, of red snapper, um, since there are unique issues with how the commercial fisheries managed and how the charter fishery, or the charter sector is managed in the Gulf. So let's just focus on the individual anglers here and talk about, um, you know, how's that just in general, how is the, the fishery managed, um, between the states and the federal government uh, for that private recreational component uh, with, within Gulf red snapper.
1: Yeah, for the Gulf, we for the past few years have really changed the game, and the way that the fisheries managed now is that the Gulf State Fishery Management Agencies are delegated authority from NOAA Fisheries Service to manage the private recreational component of the red snapper fishery in the federal waters off their state. So um, this came about after um, some exempted fishing permits uh, were issued to the states to kind of test this concept out. And, you know, ultimately the Gulf council um, decided, Hey, this actually is kind of working. And they um, moved forward with rulemaking to make it a, a more permanent thing. So, you know, it took a lot of steps to get there. Um, One of the things that was critical to getting to what everybody calls state management is that each of the states uh, put forward their own data collection systems to monitor uh, bread snapper landings that were coming in from the private boats. Uh, That was a really critical piece of information because the way that Federal fisheries are managed, including Red Snapper, is they're managed with quotas. And so the private recreational component of the recreational quota for Gulf Red Snapper is split up among the Gulf states. And so each state has their quota, and they use their data collection program to figure out what they've caught, where they are relative to their quota. Um, and, you know, they use that information, I think, in just about every case to adjust their seasons from year to year and sometimes within season. So um, some of the States are managing and tracking their, their red snapper quota, you know, weekly, it seems like almost daily, but uh, definitely uh, in fairly close to real time, which is um, something new uh, for at least the fisheries in the Gulf and the South Atlantic on the private rec side.
0: So the States have essentially stepped up and, develop these these data collection programs and um you know in, in large part that's helped translate there's been a lot of factors that have gone into it but helped translate into improved access I think we bottomed out several several years ago when the federal season was announced at uh three days mm-hmm. and um things kind of blew up after that um mm-hmm. so I know like this upcoming year Florida's got a 57 day recreational season other states are what within plus or minus 20, 30 days? What's sort of the general range of state seasons for this year?
1: Well, so, yeah, so everybody's got their setup a little bit differently. Um, And, you know, one one of the things that like Mississippi's done the past couple of years, and I think they're planning to do this year, is they open their season around either around the end of May or beginning of June, and they run through, I don't know, mid-July, and then they kind of pause and take a look at their data, and then use that information to decide, you know, um, how much longer they think the season will be. But you know, some of the states don't announce an end date right at the beginning when they announce their opening date because they are able to track and kind of keep an eye on what's coming in and you know react to the catch rates. So, like for example. Uh, Louisiana, they tend to open, you know, everybody kind of opens end of May, beginning of June. Um, they've had some years recently where they've been impacted by hurricanes. And when there's big hurricanes, there's tends to not be a ton of people fishing just because of infrastructure challenges. People are, you know, working on getting their uh, lives and homes back together. And so, I mean, they, you know, they've had a fairly long red snapper season because of that, just because, you know, people aren't fishing, then they're still quota available. And so they're able to provide opportunities later into the year. So, you know, there's a degree of flexibility that we have now with golf red snapper management that we certainly didn't have before. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we, uh, in the Gulf kind of got to, I I guess I shouldn't say rock bottom, but (laughs) close (laughs) to it. Um, Pretty close. yeah, uh, with the three-day season. Although we're going to talk about South Atlantic, which is now in a two-day season. So, but yeah, it had to get bad before things really turned around. I'd say for the Gulf. So, but yeah, we're in a much better place, and uh, I think overall, like anglers are pretty pleased with the progress that we've seen in the past couple of years.
0: Right, you mentioned those state surveys that allow you to measure harvest in you know pretty close to real time. That's compared with uh the federal marine recreational information program mrip which you know data is coming in in multi month waves so you know especially if you're trying to manage a 3 day season it's really hard to do that when you're not getting data until several months down the road uh so one of the benefits of that state uh, the state stepping up and doing their programs but that hasn't been without some hand-wringing and challenges um which you know to some degree you'd expect when you have five states independently setting up five different data collection programs i think there was um, certainly a, a interest in doing that in a way that was all you know harmonized and ultimately could be used for the same purpose but um, it didn't seem to come together quite as smoothly as maybe we all would have hoped but if folks are paying close attention to the ongoing issues with Red snapper which you know bless your heart uh if you are but one of the Terms that keeps we keep hearing about these days is something called calibration, and it has to do with, you know, while the states have their own programs of measuring harvest, they're still ultimately, yeah, you know, we're, we're we're managing towards catch limits that are based off of a federal data collection system. So, uh, the the calibration, as I understand it, refers to the need to get some sort of consistency between the state numbers and the federal numbers, and that that doesn't seem to be. Uh, an easy thing to do, or at least something that uh, you can just sort of flip the switch and make happen without potential consequences. So, Martha, what's going on around calibration? How's that shaping up, and what are some of the potential impacts with state management as a whole?
1: Yeah. So yeah, you're and you're right. At calibration. The idea is to get you know all of these data collection programs that are in place, kind of uh in the same currency so to speak and also importantly having that currency the same as the currency uh that the quota is issued in so last spring uh the golf council after a lot of deliberation approved an amendment to implement this calibration idea And, and basically what 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 this is is For each of the state data collection programs, there is a simple ratio that, you know, based on, it's a little bit different for each state, a a time series of landings that converts basically the state currency back to the federal data collection program, EMRIP, that Marine Recreational Information Program that you talked about. And EMRIP is the the currency that the quota is in right now. where that gets a little sticky is the ratio for calibration has is different for every state. It has different implications for different states. So if you, for Florida and Louisiana, it turns out their calibration ratio is, you know, such that really the, if you convert from their data collection systems, which are state Reefish survey and LA Creel back to MRIP, it really doesn't change the game very much in terms of um, not even not only their quota, but ultimately, you know how many days the states can set their seasons using that quota. Um, Texas is not part of EMRIP and never has been, so they're kind of neutral here. Calibration doesn't affect them, but in Louisiana or excuse me, in Alabama and Mississippi, their ratios uh, shake out such that. Um, if when the calibration ratio gets implemented, they would see a much smaller quota and ultimately a significantly shorter season. So I think if that for Mississippi, that means potentially, you know, 60% shorter. Uh, for Alabama, it could be 30%, you know, shorter. So could have a, you know, very real implications for um, how management has occurred in those states. There's multiple reasons why we're kind of of at that point. So for Mississippi, Mississippi is a very small state. They have very few anglers. And EMRIP was, and EMRIP still occurs in Mississippi, so I shouldn't say that, but EMRIP doesn't always do a great job of adequately sampling what's happening in Mississippi, particularly with red snapper before state management when we had these very short seasons. And so I remember there being at least one year where MRIP had zero zero pounds of Red Snapper landings in Mississippi for you know, that season, which you know we everybody knew that wasn't really what the situation was. And so the way these calibrations have derived, they're using um, the state data and you know some, some MRIP data. And so if you know MRIP isn't representing what's happening in the state very well. But the state program is, it still, it messes up that ratio. So that's an issue that the council's talked about quite a bit, and I know Mississippi has been working on and having discussions with NOAA about. And then um, with Alabama, there's a pretty big difference between what their um, system, which is called Snapper Check, is showing is coming in with Red Snapper and what EMRAC is showing. so. Both states, I know, have been trying to work this out. The council, when they passed the calibration amendment, um, of course, they're not the final stop. It's gotta go to the secretary of commerce for ultimate approval. And what they did was they recommend that implementation of these calibrations be delayed until uh, 2023 to give additional time for NOAA and the states to work through some of these issues. So um, unfortunately, at least as of right now, you know we're not in a place where those issues have been resolved. And so not exactly sure what 2023 <laughs> looks like yet. Um, NOAA issued the proposed rule for this calibration earlier this week. And so I guess we will stay tuned to see what 2023 looks like in terms of state management. Um, You know, certainly we are keeping an eye on that and, you know, we've been pretty supportive of state management. As you mentioned, it's provided a lot more access for recreational harvesters and pretty reasonable access. And so um, we're hoping that we can work out some of these issues uh, here soon with this calibration issue.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been an improvement from where things were before, but it's all been very um, I don't know clunky comes to mind uh, maybe even generous saying that and uh it also seems pretty precarious just with I don't know things things are not stable with red snapper management it's certainly an improvement but um you get things like calibration and uh what Mississippi's and to an extent Alabama's facing and it makes you worry about where the whole system goes in the future. And I was wondering yeah, the year that Mississippi was estimated as having zero pounds of red snapper harvested, like what if that was the year that calibration was based off of? Like, would that mean Mississippi got to fish for infinite days? I don't know. But it just like, (laughs) to me, that highlights the challenge of you're taking state surveys that I think by and large, any objective observer would look at and say, this is a much better way of estimating angler harvest over the federal MRIP. But yet ultimately we still have to go back to this common currency that's based on a system that has done things like estimate zero pounds harvested during an entire season so it seems a bit backwards but that's kind of how this fishery's been managed for a while i guess we'll stop there with gulf red snapper because there's a lot more we could cover but we we are sort of limited in our time here so let's let's move a little further east uh and and look at south atlantic red snapper if we could and you know again we're wringing our hands over what's going on in the Gulf. And um, I think if you were to ask anglers on the uh, South Atlantic side, they would be thrilled to deal with the management challenges that uh, are going on in the Gulf because we've been uh, sort of puttering along here with pretty short, you know, anywhere between, you can count on one hand, uh, two to five day or maybe two to four day seasons for the last several years. This year was a whopping two days, which is coming up here in another week or two. So, it's a similar issue in that we're not necessarily de- dealing with a constraint resource that's you know been tanking and we need to protect it because the the stock's in big trouble. I mean, anecdotally and I think scientifically evidence that there's more South Atlantic out there in the ocean than uh, South Atlantic Red Snapper than anyone's seen in their lifetime. And yet we've got a two day season. So what's going on there? How is there such a disconnect of stock that's been rebuilding at a tremendous rate? outpacing anyone's expectations and yet anglers aren't seeing more access that just inherently doesn't seem to make sense what's what's going on
1: yeah so yeah it's complicated so with south atlantic red snapper we are as you said you know we've got record abundance uh same with biomass but a stock is considered to be overfished and undergoing overfishing. And so the reason why it's considered overfished is largely because even though we have all these fish out there, um, they are young fish. So red snapper is a fairly long-lived species, and most of the red snapper that are out there are just a couple of years old. And so, you know, you want to typically... Um, we want to be in a place where we've got a variety of ages out there. And that's unfortunately just not where we are yet because you can only grow a 10-year-old fish in 10 year old fish in 10 years. So that's kind of the, the root of the problem. The overfishing um, status is, I guess the way that I kind of describe this for people is it's like we're drowning in our own success. So we've got you know, all these red snapper all over the place and, you know, the scientists are seeing them, anglers are seeing them and catching them. And, you know, they're catching them when they're fishing for other species. And so even though red snapper is only open for two, you know, two days this year, three days, I think last year, you know, they're fishing for other things the rest of the year. And um, I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast that red snappers are a very catchable fish. And so they are, people are catching red snapper when they're fishing for other things. Um, they are uh, discarding those fish, they're, you know, releasing them in other words, but it's assumed that a portion of those fish die upon release and those releases are, that die are really what's driving the overfishing status for, uh, for a red snapper in the Atlantic. And so it's uh Bit of a situation over in the South Atlantic right now because we have this two day season, and the council is now trying to grapple with how to uh, address management in light of the stock assessment that says the stock is still overfishing and undergoing and, and overfished. Um, you know, when they already have, have a two day season, and most of you know, it's these releases that seem to be the problem, and so. You know, they're talking about, you know, how can they make changes to the snapper group or fishery as a whole to maybe turn this situation around. Um, unfortunately, at the last council meeting, which was just a couple of weeks ago in Key West, one of the things that Noah talked about uh, that, you know, needs to be on the table short term for South Atlantic red snapper is potentially You know, large area closures for not just red snapper, but all snapper groupers. So, red snapper, all sorts of groupers, amberjacks, triggerfish, all the reef fish basically, you know, could be area closures or it could be just a massive season closure where we have, you know, some sort of season for all those different species where they're open at one time. And then the rest of the year, the federal waters off the South Atlantic would be closed. So this is a huge major deal. It's very frustrating to people, you know, because the thing is that we have been successful in rebuilding this fishery. Um, it's not really that anglers have changed their behavior so much, you know, they've been out there and fishing all along. And then but we've got all these fish out there that are now now being released and, you know, portion of them are presume, presumably dying upon release. The other thing is that just in the past couple of years on the South Atlantic side, uh, the council has required use of, um, or ha- you have to have a descending device rigged and ready if you're going to be fishing for snapper grouper over there. And the whole idea behind that of course is for people to use those to help release their, uh, snapper grouper that are caught and are experiencing something called barotrauma, which is, uh, injury that occurs when fish that are caught, you know, in deep water and then are reeled up, um, sort of like the bends for divers. So what these tools are shown to, you know, help those fish survive upon release. And so it's, a it's a messy situation over there right now. Um, I don't think anybody's really excited to be here and talking about this. Um, just a few years ago, the council had these discussions about doing something like this, and you know, ultimately, it didn't happen. And you know, we've made progress in rebuilding since that time. So it's uh, we don't know exactly you know what this looks like yet, or what it would be. If, should it be implemented? We'll probably see more. Uh, information and analysis when the council meets again in September in Charleston Um, but yeah it's a tough situation over there right now I guess I'll just stop there
0: (laughs) yeah tough messy but boy when you uh, something seems awfully fundamentally wrong when a stock gets healthier and more abundant. And the management response is we need to close everything down. That just doesn't, it seems like we're, we're missing the mark when that's the trajectory that management's going on. But I guess uh, given that there's not a whole lot of geographic separation um, between the two regions and you've got Florida caught in the middle. um, So it's not that hard to look at the Gulf and wonder, you know, are there lessons that could be learned from there? Like looking at state management state surveys and i know florida's taken their gulf reef fish survey and making that a statewide uh, you know, florida survey is it that simple is there more to it or is it not really apples to apples are, are there things that you could look at from the gulf and say hey we went from a three-day season to a you know 50 plus day season let's do that in the south atlantic or is it too complicated or more complicated than that
1: well i mean absolutely i think that there are lessons to be learned from what happened in the Gulf, that can be applied to the South Atlantic, um, and you know, state management and you know, kind of rethinking the data collection is, I think, on the table um, and part of that. So the South Atlantic Council, they've been talking a while now about you know how to, um, I guess, reform recreational data collection, as you mentioned. The state of Florida has a survey um, for reef fish that applies now on the East Coast of Florida too they do us in addition to that they do a special red survey red snapper uh, survey during the open season where they um, are they send staff to all the different inlets on the Atlantic coast of Florida that where red snapper are coming in and it's like an all hands on deck sampling effort. Um, They do special surveys and all that kind of stuff to to, you know, get a really good uh, estimate of what is coming in during that time. Um, The other states are not quite there yet, which is different from what how the Gulf was when they switched over to state management. Um, That was one of the reasons why the Gulf was able to was they had these state management or state data collection programs kind of already up and running. And so, you know, there's been discussions on the Atlantic side about, you know, uh, is this something that the states, you know, can and are willing to do, or does this need to be, does there need to be some federal coordination or federal level, you know, changes? Um, Kind of on top of this, at a national level, there's a report that came out last year about the Emirate Program and things that could be done to, improve emerald such that you know it you know is more compatible i guess i'd say with the management structure that we as recreate the recreational fishery operate under at the council level where we have quotas you know that we have to you know manage to um so there's you know, I don't I don't know exactly how that's going to play out just yet, but the conversation is definitely ongoing um, with the council. And I think, you know, there's a lot of interest in, you know, seeing better data collection on the Atlantic side. And definitely I'd say people do look at the Gulf and what happened over there, especially in Florida. And they're like, well, why aren't we doing that over here on the Atlantic side? And so I think that's possible too. But yeah, we're just not, doesn't seem like the South Atlantic side is there just quite yet. So, but they're, they're, they're I think everybody's thinking about it and the, the two-day season that we have now, plus this conversation on top of that about, you know, big closures, I think it's clear to everyone that management and, you know, the data that's supporting that management needs to change for things to improve.
0: As I'm listening to you talk, it just, I, I'm thinking in the end, ultimately anglers just want to go fish. And like, this is just, it's unbelievable how messy and complicated all the behind the scenes stuff is uh, when ultimately we just want people out on the water being able to have a good time and sustainably enjoy the resource. And again, mm-hmm. what seems so particularly frustrating with Red Snapper is unlike a lot of other issues where there gets to be a lot of frustration with lack of access in most cases that's because the resources is, is in bad shape and it's you know declining and overfished and no going undergoing overfishing and you know again we we've got some of those statuses being updated in the southeast but by and large we've got extremely healthy and increasing abundance and um it's just When anglers see that and ultimately they're rewarded with a two-day season, it's just, it's hard not to be frustrated and sort of start losing trust in the management system. So um, hopefully, hopefully there's better news on the horizon. And I guess to that end, what's, is there anything we haven't really covered that's on the horizon, either at state level, federal level, Congress, of course, uh, will get involved either through legislation or appropriations on, on these issues. Is there anything kind of coming up for folks to be on the lookout for that might you know impact all that you've been talking about?
1: Well, so I guess for, I mean, there's a lot, there's always a lot of balls in the air with Red Snapper. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but I'd say the big ones right now. So South Atlantic, I think the big thing to pay attention to is, you know, what's coming into this, September South Atlantic Council meeting where they're going to start, you know, really looking at some of these ideas for Red Snapper, you know, so I'll just say a couple more things about it. So the, the council has an advisory panel of fishermen, you know, kind of from across the fishery, Um, they have a snapper grouper one that's got recreational fishermen, commercial fishermen, you know, charter captains, the whole mix and the council, went to the advisory panel and said, well, Hey, you know, what should we do about this red snapper quagmire? And, you know, they came back to the council, you know, with this statement that they're like, look, we don't have a problem here. You know, we've, we've built, rebuilt red snapper. This problem has been solved and going forward with some huge closure like this, just, they just did not support that. Um, in, in Key West at the June council meeting, uh, the state of Florida was pretty. They, they made it quite clear that they do not want to implement large closures, either area or seasonal closures, um, off their coast. And so, you know, hopefully we see some, you know, other ideas coming out of this next meeting for South Atlantic. And um, I think in the meantime, they're going to have. They've got the council. Also, has other groups that are working on the weeds of like how to get to better data collection um, for uh, the, for the South Atlantic. Um, they've got you know a bunch of the different states you know working together, as, and I think with uh, uh, the federal folks as well on that. In terms of uh, the Gulf, so I guess a positive thing that's coming up on the Gulf with, in regards to red snapper is. Um, At the Golf Council's next meeting in August, they are going to be discussing a potential quota increase for red snapper over there, um, which is based on um, the Great Red Snapper Count, which uh, was this kind of a groundbreaking study that was funded through Congress that they basically came up with uh, abundance estimates for red snapper that are two years old or greater throughout the Gulf of Mexico. So this study was very different from the, I guess, I guess I'll call it traditional fisheries data that we've used to um, assess and monitor red snapper. And so we could see some quota increases based on that. And then that information hopefully is being plugged into a stock assessment that is going on right now for golf red snapper, and then we'll provide catch advice uh, a couple of years down the road. So those are like the two short term, I guess, hot things that are happening with red snapper at the council level right now. With Congress, you know, uh, it's probably too soon to say, but we've certainly seen, you know, direction relative to red snapper come out of Congress in the past. And I, you know, with all the, um, all the action going on with Red snapper right now, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, Congress provided some direction on where they would like to see Red Snapper go in the future.
0: There's certainly plenty of precedent for that. so um, well, and it's frustrating too, that you know things like large scale bottom closures or you know large time space closures can happen really quickly, but then you know the, to get the information you need to prove or disapprove the need for that type of heavy-handed reaction yeah that takes a lot of time that you got to do the research you got to incorporate into the assessment and go through the management process so um it seems like the 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 ability to get the information that's needed um uh, sometimes it, it doesn't pace as well with um the restrictions so um hopefully we can Make sure that we're not uh, doing anything too extreme or negatively impactful until we've got the best available science and are sure that that's really what's going on. But yes, yeah, it's, it's complicated. And I um, feel like we only kind of touched the tip of the iceberg here. It's certainly the high level stuff that's going on, but there's plenty more going on at both, both sides with South Atlantic and the Gulf that we could... As i said earlier spend many more podcasts covering but i think that's plenty for now so uh <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll end there martha and thanks for uh coming on and, and sharing all this wisdom and insights we'll surely have you back on before long either on red snapper or the dozens of other issues going on in the southeast that you're working on but thanks for joining and, and sharing the thoughts and um would encourage folks to go to keep america fishing we can keep up with this information. um, Martha, I'm sure you'd welcome uh, members reaching out to you if they've got questions about any of this stuff, particularly if they're willing to go and uh, attend a a Gulf or South Atlantic Council meeting and make their voice heard, right? That's always welcome.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Martha. And uh, have a great rest of your day. And We'll talk again soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again to Martha for taking the time to share her Red Snapper insights with us. We'll be back in a couple weeks with the next episode, but in the meantime, please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share the Politics of Fish podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks for listening and tight lines.